The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. I uh, got some good feedback on the episode last week, even though it feels like it was like a, a year ago at this point. I don't, I don't know. Time's going by in a weird way. Uh, my depression's kind of kicking me in the ass lately, so you know that's that's messing with a lot of my work plans and you know a lot of my personal life. Um, I, I, I'm not entirely sure that I'll be able to keep up the whole once a week episode thing. Uh, you know, I just a precedent that I had set, however, but you know, now trying to find time to interview people and edit down those interviews and especially with all the trips I'm taking, um, trying to, you know, do maybe a few in a week so I can schedule them out so that everything's going up once a week for everybody. It, it's tough to keep up with it. Uh, I'm going to keep going with it for as long as I can. But, uh, you know, 2019, I might have to dial it down to like maybe two or three episodes a month or special occasion episodes or whatever. You know, for now, I'm going to keep doing them as long as I can get interviews and and find some time to squeeze it in. So uh, as I'm recording this, I'm just a few days away from U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, different than Canada Thanksgiving. So, you know, I've got all those different things to prep for. I'm going to be making uh, some some bread this year, and I, I might be cooking the turkey, too. I, I did this thing last season uh, called spatchcocking, and it sounds really goofy, but if you haven't tried it with the turkey, try it with the turkey, and they come out really good. Uh, if you are vegan or vegetarian, you can't really do it to a tofurkey, sorry. So on the class front, I've got my Oregon class coming up uh, just a, a few days away, really. You know, I'll be leaving for that one in, in just over a week. Um, really strong uh, class. You know, it's shaping up to be a really good one. I know I complained in the beginning that not a lot of people were signing up for it, but I, I think it was just uh, some late bloomers, and, and now I've got it pretty packed. I, I think if the trends go for, like, last-minute registrations, I think this will be the busiest class that I've done so far. I, I, I've got well over 30 people already. I'm really looking forward to this one. Should be really good. Uh, doing it out at the, the Powers That Be in uh, Vancouver, Washington. Going to hang out in uh, the Portland area for a, a couple days after that. Uh, I had a scarification client named Russell reach out to me. Russell's a really cool guy. He's flown out to me from Oregon uh, twice already, and I did a, some really big pieces on his back. And um, you know, he was thinking since I'm going to be in his area, maybe I could do a piece on him there. So I'm going to probably stick around for a little bit, do uh, maybe a big leg piece on him. I'll get some pictures up maybe on the uh, the Piercing Wizard podcast Facebook page and definitely my Instagram page. Uh, Russell's just a, a really cool guy to uh, to talk to. Going to also try to drink in a little bit of that, uh, you know, Oregon magic and, you know, maybe get out for a, a quick walk in some wilderness, you know, hang out with some friends and record some podcast interviews. There are a ton of really good, really experienced, really interesting piercers in that area. So I've got a few lined up already, uh, but that'll pretty much be filling up my uh, my free time while I'm out there. So, you know, don't think that when I travel, it's, it's uh, all just uh, play and no work. It's really work and work work. Um, I've got a, a trip that I just kind of threw on, actually a couple of trips that I've thrown on. So a really good way to uh, avoid paying attention to your depression is hopping around the world. So uh, right after Portland, Oregon, I'm going to come home for two days and, and pierce at my shop on Fridays and Saturdays, which are my normal scheduled days. And then Sunday, I'm going to get on another plane and I'm going to fly to Paris because uh, one of my favorite bands, Ensephirum, is playing an acoustic only show and they're only doing it in Europe. And I normally see them do like, you know, full on metal shows when they tour in the States. So I figure, why not? I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to see them and then I'm probably just going to come home the day after. So uh, not a very long trip, but it should be a fun one. After that, I, uh, I scheduled myself for a quick trip to Tennessee for, not surprisingly, a wrestling show on January 6th and 7th. And I, I think um, there are a couple of interested people there that might want a, a quick seminar, kind of like when I went over to London for a wrestling show and, and I put on a seminar and you know had around a dozen, 15 people uh, attend that class. I think I might try to throw something together for Tennessee for anyone who's interested. Um, if you are anywhere in the, uh, the general Tennessee or specifically Nashville, Tennessee, area, uh, shoot me a message, ryanpba at gmail.com, message me on Facebook, message me on Instagram, wherever, let me know you're interested, and uh, I'll, I'll give you updates in progress on uh, on that 
seminar as it's kind of filling out. I don't really have a, a venue to announce yet or a specific date to announce yet, so it's not up on my website, but I am planning it, kind of back burner stuff. Couple last minute plugs. Um, I'm going to be reprinting my Gentian Violence hoodies. The first run I did flew out. They were sold out in I think two days, three days, something like that. So I got a couple dozen more. Those are going to go up online. I'm also going to have embroidered hats with the Defend Piercing logo, a couple other things on my website. Those should be up within two to three weeks so they'll definitely be available for um like christmas presents if uh you know if you want to grab something for a piercer you care about or if you just care about yourself uh but i'll let you know when all that stuff is online but you can always check it out precisionbodyarts.com shop all the class info precisionbodyarts.com seminars or you can like the uh, body art education by ryan willette on uh, facebook so enough of my plugs um let's talk about this week's guest and it's going to be daniel thomas Daniel is a cool guy, and, you know, I never really knew a lot about Daniel. I knew that he worked up around Canada. I knew that he worked for uh, for Thrive Studios. Uh, my friends Laura and, and Jesse and, uh, hadn't really had a lot of conversations with him outside of conference. Uh, this year at conference, we had a, a really good conversation. You know, the, the last night, uh, you know, before everybody was going to head home, we, we went out to dinner, and we just kind of chatted. Um, Daniel, myself, Jesse, and, and Lee, we just kind of hung out, and Daniel was talking about, oh, you know, I have this great idea for a class. I think it'd be really beneficial for someone to teach it in the future. And I just kind of looked at him in the face and I was like, well, why don't, why don't you teach it? Why don't you submit a proposal? Have you submitted a proposal? The deadline is tomorrow. And uh, a lot of times when I tell somebody that, you know, I, I kind of put it right in front of their face, like you have an opportunity, but you have a tight deadline. So, you know, get to work on it. And most of the time people don't actually follow through on that stuff, you know, scholarships and uh, classes and proposals and, and getting stuff out there. But to his credit, Daniel went right back to his hotel room and, and typed out a, a really good proposal that night, submitted it uh, the following morning, you know, and, and it got put in front of the conference committee and they selected it for a class. So uh, a, a good part of this interview is kind of talking about um, Daniel's experience. Uh, Daniel is an Australian and he uh, eventually moved to Canada uh, through New Zealand actually and I just want to give a couple of quick shout outs to some people that I don't think get enough credit for uh, how impactful they are to their industries not just uh, locally but you know worldwide you know the, the general piercer community but uh, Eden Thompson in New Zealand um, really influential on a lot of people you know when you when you talk to piercers um, out at an event or something, you know, related to piercing or related to suspension, you know, Eden's name comes up a lot, you know, and, and I don't think Eden gets a lot of credit because, you know, New Zealand, uh, geographically, it, it's uh, a ways out from most people. And in Canada, uh, you know, Lexi Million. You know, Lexi is a, a powerhouse for the, the Canadian piercer community. Uh, but, you know, being out on the, the western side of Canada, um, you know, not really in, in contact with the high, high population areas, you know, like the Toronto areas and all that stuff, you know, but Lexi's really um, made a significant impact on the, the Canadian piercer market. And I think they're both people that I would really like to get on the show sometime. So, you know, if you happen to listen to the show, kind of put it in the back of your mind, I'd like to interview you, get you on the show, uh, get you talking about your experience and you know what the uh, what the community and, and what all your you know hard work is has meant to you so Daniel has taken uh, a lot of different uh, kind of communication seminars you know those how to win friends and influence people type seminars uh, Daniel has uh, attended some of those to the point where he is uh, developing a class for the APP conference 2019 called uh, how to win clients and influence piercers. And I think it's going to be a really interesting class, you know, listening to um, Daniel's enthusiasm and uh, the, the class concept, that's definitely going to be a class that I don't want to miss. I'm going to make sure that I have that worked into my schedule and, and I'm going to be there right in the front row uh, checking it out. And I think Daniel's going to be a really awesome instructor. You know, Daniel's done a, a little bit of work with progressive mentorship and, uh, you know, I, I only see uh, Daniel kind of going up. So let's uh, get into that interview with who... Who am I? I'm Daniel Thomas. Uh, I work at Thrive Studios in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, and you can find me at Instagram at Dan underscore Flair underscore. So does that have anything to do with Ric Flair? Or is that just, you mean like Flair? Well, it started, it started as a joke between me and a bunch of buddies that ended up being my suspension team name. Yeah. Um, and then I don't do a lot with that suspension team anymore. Mm -hmm. But when I came to work at Thrive, my Instagram name was Old Daddy Bastard. Okay. And I was like, 
Thrive seems like a classier place than putting bastard Maybe. on the back of my uh, release forms. Right. And I couldn't think of a good name. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Flair sounds good. Yeah. And then now, with a little bit of influence from yourself, I've started liking a little bit of wrestling. So yeah. now I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, I'm glad I could corrupt you. Yeah. Thanks. So, um... For the people that might pick up on it, you are not Canadian. No, I'm trying my hardest to put a bit of a Canadian accent on, but no, I'm Australian. So what was the decision like to to move from Australia to Canada? So I was living in New Zealand beforehand, and I was a pretty shitty piercer. I had my friend Eden Thompson who'd sort of taken me under his wing, uh, but... The studio was not super busy because Earthquake Zone was where I was living. People would rather rebuild their houses than get pierced. It's kind of crazy. You know? Yeah. It's selfish, I think. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, he taught me a lot of concepts that I really needed to push out. So I was like, look, I'm going to move anywhere in the world where I can get a good job. Work in a sort of Elisa APP seeming studio and... Dragon Effects took me on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Which um, which Dragon Effects? Uh, Kingsway Mall was the Kingsway. main one that I was at. Yeah, um, I'd known Beans, who was the manager there for a long time. Um, like we pretty much did our apprenticeships in Australia at the same time, but even, like either side of the country. Mm-hmm. So she kind of knew me from that, and she's like, "Yeah, come, come, you can come and work here." And I was like. <laughs> oh my god I got my I, shot yeah and then I freaked out and I was like I sent her this big long message and I'm like um I don't want to lie kind of shit and she was like I'm sure you're not as bad as what you think you are right well what was it that made you think that you were a bad piercer was it just you didn't have experience with internal or you didn't get a lot of fundamentals in your early stages my, yeah I think it was a lot of uh, fundamentals that I didn't really I think you said it yesterday, you know, you were one of the better piercers in your area, but you weren't really good. No, you know? yeah, I won by default. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. I felt like I was probably doing that, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to ask what I didn't know. Right, so right. My piercing but at least just... you had the, the self-awareness to understand that concept. Yeah, 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 that, which is almost frustrating at times, you know, when yeah. you're just like, I know I'm not what I should be. But I feel like there are there's a whole generation of piercers that have that now because the internet puts a huge spotlight oh, on yeah. any shortcomings you might have. And I know so many piercers who get kind of frozen in that spotlight, like a deer in the headlights, where they think like, I'm not good, I have no chance of ever getting better, so why should I even try? Mm-hmm. And like a, a huge part of what I like to do within within... W- you know, inside the APP and outside the APP, private classes or not, or just talking to people on Facebook is to, to tell them, like, if you think that I'm a quote-unquote good piercer or this person is a good piercer or this person is a good piercer, you have to realize that we didn't start that way. Yeah. Nobody starts out as, like, the awesome piercer. It's it's hard work. It's like you're developing a... It's not a natural-born talent. It's a developed skill. Yeah. And I just like to tell everybody, like, everybody has gone through this. Everybody's had a moment where they're like, man, I'm not good at this. And they get better. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I feel like... I feel like I go through waves of, like, yeah, I'm kind of getting this. No, terrible. Yeah. And that, those dips of being like, no, I'm terrible... While they're not good for you mentally, they drive you. Oh they my do. god! Like, yeah. if I had no dips of being like, I fucking suck at this. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I still would probably be piercing nostrils that faced the sky. Right. You know. Well, I mean, there are also you, you know you can tell you know not naming names or not that I can really think of a name off the top of my head, but you know that there are those piercers out there who just like they've never had that self aware moment where they're they're just constantly go through their career of like yeah i'm the shit yeah but they're yeah. not but like they can build up this reputation of like you know oh yeah this person says they're the shit so obviously they're the shit you know but like they're the shits you know mm-hmm. it's like a totally different concept i think that's i think that's why a lot of subpar pierces kind of keep going you know mm-hmm. everyone's got that shop in town that you constantly fix stuff from and right everyone's like oh they seem to know what they were talking mm-hmm. about because they speak with such confidence because in their head they are the best piercers that right. are out there right so it's kind of to a client they're like yeah right confidence. i mean how many times do you have to deal with a client who comes in 
and they're supremely confident in the person that did a terrible job on them, you know? And they're yeah. like, oh yeah, they told me that it was my anatomy was wrong or my aftercare was wrong and I ruined this piercing and it wasn't them doing a bad job. It was me and I feel terrible now and I can't even get X, Y, or Z piercing. Yeah. And you have to be like, please don't think that it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The amount of times, the amount of times that that happens. Right. We have, we have, we're lucky. We've got quite a few good piercers sort of. In the Ontario region, I noticed that Ontario yeah. is a strong region. You know, like, I mean, not to say that it's the only strong region in Canada because it's not, but there's definitely a strong pocket in this area. Yeah, I don't know if it's because of like you know, the Toronto area and just population center or whatever, but there's a lot of good piercers around here. I feel like Canada does pretty alright for itself as a country. It definitely really. does. Um, yeah, especially coming from Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton just seems to have this huge pocket of you're almost it's almost harder to find a bad piercer than it is a good one in Edmonton really? yeah. yeah like at least a piercer that's not using pretty decent quality jewelry mm-hmm. at least as a benchmark right so yeah yeah I think if I if I can come back for classes in Canada I definitely want to do something something in Alberta you know, I, I would really like to get out to Western Canada and do something, you know, whether it's Alberta or, or BC or something like that. I would really like to come back to Canada and hit the, the Western side. You should spend a lot of time here. Well, yeah, uh, I think so. I, I kind of like the place. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's, you know, you moved halfway around the world. I would hope that you like it. Yeah. It's funny when you put your finger on the globe of where I grew up in Perth in Australia and Toronto, you're like, uh, that's, that's about as far as you can get. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well... So how did you how did you end up going from uh, Dragon Effects to Thrive, or was there um, was there another shop in between? No, Dragon. I, so I did two years at Dragon Effects. Um, a few people kind of left Dragon Effects. Uh, well, mainly Lexi. Mm-hmm. She left, and um, I was coming the coming to an end of the visa, and I sort of thought, you know what, this is the right time to go home, mm-hmm. um, and I was planning on a trip to move back home and uh i heard from misty forsberg she she messaged me and she was like hey do you know that uh thrive is possibly looking for a piercer and i was like do you know i'm messaging them in my lunch break yeah um and she was like oh wait this might be down low knowledge so i played this sort of like half trying to get jesse to notice me Mm -hmm. game on the internet um and then one day i just sent him a big long message and i was like oh oh want to come and work here i don't know if you're looking for someone but yeah i want you yeah and uh yeah it just sort of he got me out for a guest spot here and i was as happy as larry you know cool I, I always, and how long have you been there at this point uh it's so almost two years now mm-hmm. again because uh, i'm coming up to the end of another visa so right they come two years at a time so yeah okay yeah um how how has the clientele reacted to you? Do they treat you like in a like an exotic animal because of the accent and things? Uh, the a lot of people kind of tiptoe around my accent and mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, where where are you from?" Because yeah. I don't have like the Steve Irwin of accents. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really. There's they kind of tiptoe around me a little bit like I'm a strange creature because they're used to having Jesse in the right. in the shop every day and. Yeah. Then there's this weird guy that kind of doesn't even sound like a Canadian. And mm-hmm. <laughs> who is he? Um, but it seems to have gone all right yeah. now after two years. Who's Jesse Villamere? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, on one side of it, I think a lot of people, when they get to a certain point of their career, they start to transition out into other things. And definitely Jesse, over the last few years, has transitioned more out of the studio and into photography and into whatever else he's going towards in life now, yeah. you know? And uh, it, it seems that you've really kind of taken you know, the lead piercer role at Thrive and, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure clients have responded well to that. You know, what does it feel like kind of stepping into a really well-established studio and kind of, you know, making it your own in a sense and kind of taking on that lead piercer role? It was definitely daunting at first. Um, you know, I, I looked up to Jesse. The reason why I wanted to come to Thrive was, you know, I sort of followed Jesse from the BME days and and I always thought that he was a fantastic piercer and mm. really good ambassador of our industry. 
So I came in and then I kind of thought that I would be working alongside Jesse and then all of a sudden, um, no, I'm, I'm new Jesse. Right. And I'm like, I'm not Jesse. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't think that many people could be as charismatic as Jesse. So I yeah, spent the, the truth. Yeah. yeah. I spent like three months trying to be Jesse and yeah. failing terribly at right. it. Um, did you try to like, did you create like an act sort of, almost, or you were trying yeah. to like mimic his, his customer service? Yeah. Yeah, exactly you know, that. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to try and make jokes like him right. and be as high energy as him. Yeah. And how exhausting was that? I, it was, it was terrible. It I'm was sure ter- it probably, it probably felt awkward for you and it probably felt awkward for some clients too, because I, it probably wasn't natural. Yeah. No, everyone saw right through it. Yeah. It was it wasn't until one day I was like, I just need to go back to being Daniel. Mm-hmm. And then people warmed up to me like crazy, you know, like it was like, oh, just, just be yourself, you know, right. like such a cliche term, just mm-hmm. be yourself. But you know, it's one of those moments where you yeah. realize what that actually means. I've seen lots of piercers try to like emulate the people that they look up to with customer service techniques or or whatever, and uh, it it feels really disingenuous when someone's trying to put on an act. You know, like there are definitely moments where you know I talk to a client differently than I talk to my friends or just people I encounter out in the world. You know, because I'm giving them a customer service experience, but I I give them my customer service experience. I'm not trying to duplicate like you know a Jeff yeah. Saunders or someone because they've all got their own flair, and now I I feel confident. With my with the with the level that I'm established at in my studio, I feel confident that people do like and respond well to my version of customer service. So I'm sure once you started to get confident in like you know people like Daniel for Daniel, that probably was a new page for you there. It was it was a new definitely a new page. Yeah. Um. It's like around that same time, I signed up and I did a thing called the Dale Dale Carnegie course, mm-hmm. um, which is basically a human relations course. It's the course that was the book how to win friends and influence people was written to be a supplement manual for basically okay um and that kind of taught me some like formulas of how to talk to people and give them a good experience but they're just formulas so you still act like yourself you still are daniel thomas authentic it's more like just like a different level of awareness yeah of how you can communicate how to communicate to yeah. people like what how to make small talk how to and it's not like you have to talk about this and this mm-hmm. and this it's sort of like the areas to target into and um how to like sort of talk to people and get the most out of them because most people want to talk about themselves most people Sure. Um, That's so, one of my tricks is like, you know, you just ask them questions that set them up to talk about themselves. Exactly. And they love it. Yeah. So I kind of, there's this crazy thing that they talk about. And at first you're like, what the hell are they talking about? I'm never going to remember this. But you remember things in uh, pictures easier than you remember them in words. Um, so they get you to picture like a big golden nameplate with a house teetering on top of it with a big window in there. And inside the window, there's a family with a dog and cat running around in the house. Uh, and then the father of the family puts a work glove on, puts a hand up the chimney, touches an airplane out the top of the chimney, and then it opens the hatch and some balls fall out. And then there's a goal at the back of the airplane. And this seems crazy and like you're never going to remember it. But then you think about it the next day and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Right. and basically it starts with like the nameplate. You should know someone's name. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first thing you should have in conversation. You yeah. should know that name because yeah. that's super important. And then whereabouts do they live, you know? And if they really love where they live or where they were born or something like that, that will get them talking about that. Mm-hmm. And then it moves on to their family. Like everyone loves talking about their kids. Yeah. Um, so you might get them talking about that. And it's all about trying to find that spot where they just keep on going and then you don't really need to do much talking. Right. They're just talking about themselves. Yeah. And then the work love, what do you do for work? And you don't want to talk to someone about what they do for work first because most people aren't as keen about their jobs as we are. Right, yeah. Um, so then, yeah. And then travel and hobbies and what are your goals and 
generally if you can talk so if i'm on a piercing we're talking to someone and pierce like while i'm piercing them i'll sort of go through these things and then all of a sudden they'll click onto something and then i can actually just do my job and right. focus on that and yeah. they're just talking about the greatest holiday they've ever had and i'm mm. like yes right and then they come out and they're like that daniel i really had, connected with it i had great conversation yeah like, i hardly said anything wow um but yeah, and then other little formulas like that that you're just like, oh. See, small talk feels very forced to me, but conversation I'm fine with, you know? Yeah. And I, I do have trouble starting a conversation with people. You know, yeah. something like that I would imagine would be really beneficial to a lot of body piercers, especially because, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like body piercers really attract um, the people who weren't, you know, captain of the football team yeah. and, you know homecoming king homecoming queen you know the people that were crazy popular in in school you know and yeah. you know maybe you have a little bit of a hard time communicating with people sometimes and yeah and and you can have what, something like that where you just draw it out of them and that's why most of us are sitting there at conference going mm-hmm. <laughs> because we can't talk to each other um right. Or, like, conference is a little bit easier because we're slammed together, but yeah. there is that sort of intimidation there. Yeah, um, for sure there is. I mean, my my uh, my general trick at conference is I play, like, human pinball machine. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm really sorry to say this out loud to anyone listening who has had a conversation with me in conference and who has gotten this line, but when I feel like I... I'm starting to force the conversation or I don't know what to say or I feel really awkward. I always do the, oh, I'm gonna, I'll be right back. And I'm just like, and then I walk off like I'm going to the toilet or, or checking my phone or something like that. And then I just vanish. <laughs> and like plenty of people have gotten Ryan ghosted that way. <laughs> it's basically your version of a smoke bowl. Pretty much. Yeah. But I'm saying this polite way, but you can't do that with a client because you're trapped in a room with them and you know, you're offering them a service and it's yeah. like, you can't just be, silent and awkward and, and hope that your professional skill as a body piercer is going to carry through because the client's not going to care how sweet your like sterile glove technique is no. like they want to feel you know warm and welcomed and they want to feel a connection i honestly think that probably 80 percent of being a good body piercer is just being warm and mm. having the skills that most of us, because we weren't homecoming kings and queens, don't really have. Right. So I think the ones that shine, the ones that outlie, because once it gets to a certain point, you know, we're all, we're doing our piercing straight. We're making them heal. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that make people shine is their ability to, right, to shine when they're dealing with human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, some of the strongest reviews I see have nothing to do with a body piercing. It's always like, they made me laugh, it was such a great time, and you know, I, I felt so comfortable and I felt so relaxed, you know, and you definitely see those reviews where it's like, you know, my piercing is great, but people, like if you, if you read a shop, even a really solid five-star shop, if you read their Yelp reviews, Google reviews, Facebook re- reviews, whatever, it very rarely says like, oh my God, their freehand skill was so amazing. And like, you know, they perfectly utilized the statum and they did a, a no touch technique or disposable tools. It's always just like, they were so friendly. They were so kind. I was so nervous and they made me feel so comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. They explained everything fantastic. Right, right. Um, but yeah, the, the closest thing to something on your skill level that you'll get is he made it not hurt mm-hmm. or it just never got infected. And right. you're like, well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think if you take two piercers who can both execute a good body piercing, but one of them can talk and really like communicate with the person and the other one can just perform the service, I think clients are going to gravitate towards the person that can communicate. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the time, if you can't communicate, but you can do an awesome body piercing and someone is there with like, most of that skill but still you know Mm -hmm. they're not as they're not as technically proficient as you but they can talk yeah they're gonna get that client all the time as well that's frustrating you know because i i've seen it happen uh where you know there's been a piercer who's a they're they're a charmer you know um and they can you know if someone can talk you know like oh hey i I love your shoes or i I love your makeup or hey i i I love that band that you're wearing a t-shirt of something like that and people can connect 
but like their piercing is crooked or their jewelry is bad or their aftercare is is outdated or something like that you know and i'm i'm sitting there trying to do all these different technical clean person things or whatever and people are just like yeah ryan didn't really like talk much to me it felt colder you know it's just i feel really self-conscious about that because it's it's painful for me to small talk something sometimes you know i feel like that's where we kind of have to up our game like you know we do spend so much time like working out like the tiniest little finesses of things Mm -hmm. And it's awesome and like it grows our industry so much to t- work out the tiny little finesses of things. But when we can't work out the finesses of right. a human being, it's like, well, that's that's a big part of our job. Right. Yeah. So the, the main thing that I struggle with right now, and I know it's super valuable, is just introducing myself and saying their name out loud. So they feel valued as a person, you know. So now, you know, I, I part of my routine is I pick up their release form and I look at it and I say like, hi your name, my name's Ryan, what can I do for you today? You know, yeah. I just try to say that. And and a lot of times I forget because it it feels silly and it feels like part of an act rather than a conversation, but I know that it's important to the person and it makes them feel more comfortable with me. But do you find that now that you've done that for a little while, it doesn't feel as much like an act? It's like, oh, I it just... It doesn't I... feel as much, but still it doesn't feel natural because I've, I've had, you know, a 20-year career where, you know, 19 and a half years of it, I didn't do that. Yeah. So I'm still not, I'm still not there yet, but I'm trying. Yeah. Cause I, like, I, I had that terrible problem where I would forget to listen to people's names when right. they told me them, you know, I, I just, I just could never remember anyone's names. Right. And I'm trying to be better with that. And it's a skill that you have to learn. You have to want to learn that skill. But I try and learn my clients' names as best as possible. Mm-hmm. And I love it when I can have a client that comes in and they they don't feel like I should remember their name. And I'm just like, hey, Brittany. Yeah. And they're just like, I, I can so rarely do that, you know, because everybody's, it, it's a blur. You know, I, I try to talk to some piercers who feel self-conscious about that. And I say like, um, yeah, sure. They might be your thousandth client or they might be like the, the 50th Michaela that you've dealt with. But you might be the only body piercer that they've ever experienced, you know. Mm-hmm. So to you, it's very obvious, you know. You know, they think like, "Oh yeah, that's Daniel. He's he's my piercer," you know. Mm-hmm. But if, if you can't remember their name, you at least want to make that connection of just being like, "Oh hey, how you doing?" You know, and you might you want to make them feel remembered and feel valued at least, even if yeah. you can't remember the name. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. The best way that I've had for remembering my clients' names is. So I give all my clients my Instagram details and tell them to DM me if they have any questions or anything like that. So most of the time they'll add me straight away afterwards mm-hmm. and then they get to look at all my pretties. <laughs> they fell into my plan. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they also, it, they I'll follow them back and then I'll see their name and their Instagram name, which normally has something to do with their name. And after a little while it starts to creep in there. I don't remember half of our clients' names. Yeah. But every so often I get one, I'm like, Yush. Nailed it. Nailed it. And I, you know what? I feel like they buy more from me as soon as I do it. They. I mean, that's definitely true they, because they feel a connection. They feel you. a connection. They feel right. like, and I do care about them, but they, they feel that I care about them, mm-hmm. you know? Because if you can remember someone's name, that's the most important right. sound they can hear, you know? Right. I mean, you try to think of it for you as the consumer if you walked into a store and they're like hey daniel how you doing you're gonna be like hi how are you and you're it's you're gonna be disarmed by it and you're already gonna feel comfortable and and then whatever their sales strategy is your sales strategy you know people are just gonna feel more comfortable exactly exactly and then i think you brought it up on one of the podcasts as well someone passes out you know their name right you've got something that just snap them out that's why anytime i'm working i always make sure that i keep their release form right on the counter so if something like that does happen or just anything you know i can glance down and i can be like so julia how you feeling you know if if they look like they're kind of struggling or something like that just talking to them and, and bringing them out of that like kind of fog yeah make them feel a lot better so aside from remembering names um what are some of the things that you would kind of say would be beneficial tips to to people is it you know like for like for me i really like to scan the person while i'm talking to them so like as i would talk to you i would be like okay i'm going to notice what kinds of glasses you're wearing what kind of jewelry you're wearing 
your shirt, your shoes, and anything like that. Where and even if I'm not using it for a sales strategy of like picking out like, oh, you know, this person was is probably gonna like white gold versus rose gold or whatever. Uh, I can just I can compliment their style, and then that's gonna make them feel more comfortable too. Yeah, um, that's also a really good thing to do for remembering names is like taking a mental picture of them mm -hmm. and all their little, you know, the style of dress that they normally have. Yeah, what what distinguishing features they have. One one of my like favorite tricks too, not to say trick. I I don't really like to say trick like I'm trying to trick people into something, but just something that I can use to help make a connection with them is if if they're kind of looking at jewelry and they're kind of stuck and they're like, I like so many of these different things, then I all I have to do is just kind of say something like, well, you know, my personal opinion and you choose whatever you want to choose, but I think this would really make the blue in your eyes stand out or I think this would be really complimentary to your hair or, or something like that. And even if the person doesn't agree and they're like, well, that's not really my style, I just think that they feel appreciated that like I'm seeing them as a person and not as like a... a you know, yeah, a subject or something. Exactly. I think that people like it. One of my favorite things to do is finding pieces of jewelry that fit into their anatomy and being like, ah, oh, you need this totally. because you've got this hole in your ear. And then it does that exact same thing. And they're like, oh my God, this is the mm -hmm. piece that's for me. I had a client and they had this really unique anatomy on their ear where they had this one section that was folded over in such a way where it made the, a curve this way. And you know, do you, do you do those BVLA feathers from time oh, to time? Yeah. yeah, like I, you know, yeah. From time to time. From time to time, you know, like I've, several times a month. I've seen them. I've right. seen them yeah, once yeah. I'm familiar with that style. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times you put them in a, in a helix to, to go with the curve of the ear or in the conch to go with the curve of the conch. But this person with their unique anatomy, a feather went the opposite way and it lined up perfectly with uh, that curve. And I was just like, you know what would be amazing? This. And I held it up in a mirror and they were just like, oh my God, it's like it was made for me. And I'm like, oh my God, I know, right? <laughs> I have it in three different colors. I had one similar to that with a conch. Um, and I remember showing Jesse and he was like, it's back. Oh. Right. And I'm like, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I definitely follow that. And a lot of the time... I, Sorry if I have any clients listening here, like triprongs on nostrils, and I'm like, look at this. Your nose is a triangle. Mm -hmm. It's a triangle. Yeah. And people are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just gobble it up. Yeah. So, you know, talking more about the, the classes that you've attended, the seminars that you've attended, uh, we were having dinner at the end of conference this year, and, and you mentioned, like, hey, I think these things might be beneficial to other body piercers, and I kind of nudged you towards sending a proposal, Yeah. and your proposal was approved. Yes. So, so what, what's your what's your name for uh, it? How to Win Clients and Influence Piercers. Which I think is a, a great name, you know. Uh, so what's what do you think is going to be your basic concept, or what was, like, what's the elevator pitch for your class? Um, so... I've sort of been holding back about telling too many of the principles and stuff well, like yeah, that. I mean, because save it for conference. Save it for... What are like the, the yeah. broad strokes that you're but, comfortable with? Um, yeah, it's basically how to remember names, how to make your clients feel special, how to, how to deal with bad reviews. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that bad reviews are a very good chance to turn it into a positive. Um, so some techniques on how to answer to those and stuff like that. Right. Some tips on how to sort of change. So say a client comes in and they want something and you know that it's not the greatest idea for mm. them. How to talk to them about that, but then still keep them hyped up, not crushed. Mm. Um, I've had that, you know, where they fall in love with the one piece that wouldn't work for them. <laughs> where you'd be like, ah, and you, you get excited yourself as a body piercer and you have to... Realize that when you when you both realize that it's not going to work out, you know, you, you can't just be like, oh, you know, you have to pivot and you have to be like, well, you know, I don't think this is going to be ideal for now. You know, maybe after it's healed or maybe for another piercing down the road. But, you know, I think we should find something that would be a little bit more complimentary yeah. to you today. Yeah. But you have to keep their enthusiasm. But a lot of it is about explaining why first. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can give them all the information so they understand why yeah. before you say no, mm -hmm. then they're, they're not deflated as deflated because they, they understand. I think if you say no first, all they hear is no, and then they shut off. Right. 
I think that's really similar to the uh, the approach with with cost, where if they fall in love with something that they can't necessarily afford, you know, or afford that day, yeah. uh, and if you just kind of let them get to a point where they're like, well, screw it then. What's, you know, I just want a ball, you know, yeah. just be like, but you got to understand there's a hundred options in between that one and this one. You know, it's not A to Z. Yeah. There's a whole alphabet of choices. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing with enthusiasm where if something doesn't work out perfectly, you want to be able to like give them another option that would still look great for them. And maybe they'll just like that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly that. Um, keeping them, uh, keeping them pumped. Another thing that I, uh, I'm working out in a part for the class is about how to give aftercare instructions and have them Followed. follow them. Yeah, yeah you know, I yeah. think there was there was a meme that went around. It's that thing with the guy throwing the plate, and it's like yeah, here, they have to care instructions. aftercare instructions, and it right. feels like people do that all the time. Yeah, um, and when something's not working out, I always have to kind of ask myself, is it? my fault mm -hmm. because uh, you didn't do the right job to explain why it's important yeah, yeah exactly um and yeah now i've been moving to explaining the concepts of why we're doing things first and mm -hmm. it's been working it's still not a hundred percent uh well, I because I not every worked... client has that interest level where yeah. they, they just hear like a like a buzzing sound instead of an explanation yeah. where they're like okay i spray what where and then that's that's the beginning and yeah. for them yeah, or they have their idea already of what healing it means, yep. and yep. they don't need to listen to Vaccine me. Vaccine works fine for me, always has. It always has, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I always I always try and I take things to heart too much, mm -hmm. but it's because I feel like if something's not working, it is our job to fix it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's accurate because uh, just like you said, if a client comes back and you've already given them aftercare instructions and they just didn't retain it, it's, well, you know, what can you do to make your aftercare more interesting or more dynamic or just more simple to understand and digest, you yeah. know? And I, I've, I've done a lot of different tweaks, you know? I, I haven't necessarily tweaked my brochure because I feel like if you're going to have too much information, that's the place to do it, in print. Yeah. But when you give the verbal instructions, you need to give them just enough information without going too far, making them bored or, you know, paying attention to their phone instead of you, things yeah. like that. Throwing some jokes in there at certain points... Uh, also works because it brings them brings them back a little bit. They're like, oh, oh, oh. Right. And then they're like, oh, I've got to keep listening here. Because you, you know that there's points where people dip off in your, mm -hmm. in your speech because we just sort of push the button and it's like, eh, tape recorder starts. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was, you know, I've, I've heard body piercers who are good body piercers and they're giving good information, but they're giving it in such a robotic way where it sounds like they're a waiter reading off today's specials, where it's like, you know, they've done it 50 times that day, and it sounds like that. Yeah. You know, like, I think the challenge really comes in where you have to make it sound like this is the first time you said it today, and you're really excited to, to explain these aftercare opportunities to people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Uh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I always like to say things, too, that's just really simplified logic. Like, I don't want to tell them the science of why saline might be better than alcohol. I'll just say something like, well, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest you put something on your piercing that you wouldn't put directly on your eye. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you can spray something like this and it's just going to feel like nothing. But imagine how irritated your eye would be if you use this and that's what you're doing to your piercing. I do exactly the same thing. As I'm, I'm like, my golden rule is don't put anything in your piercing you wouldn't put in your eye. And normally that gets a little bit of a giggle as well. They're like, what would you put in your eye? Just water. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With next year being your, your first time instructing at the APP conference, like, is, is that... Or has that been a goal for you to, to instruct? Or do you feel like that's kind of a newfound thing? Like, did you always have confidence as a public speaker? Or is that something that you've been developing through your seminars? It's, uh, it's something that I... The public speaking part of it was a bonus point to doing the seminars. Because I was like, oh, that's something that kind of interests me. Um, I have taught two years at Dallas SuscCon. Okay. Um, and... I loved it. I, and I didn't do it because I thought that I was going to be fantastic at it. And I, I did it because I was like, I just want to give back to the suspension community. Mm -hmm. Um, but after the, the first time was like, uh, yeah. afterwards, um, did you get that? Like I might throw up. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But then the second year that I did it, I was like, actually really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. 
and wanted to do more and more. There hasn't been any more Dallas Suscons since mm. then. So then I sort of, since being here in Cambridge, and um, obviously Jesse has the progress, progressive mentorship classes as well, so I got to do a bit with him. And I've been to pretty much everyone that he's done since I've been here. So that I, I've expressed interest that I would like to teach with progressive mentorship as well. Um, and I do just like the giving back. The mm. um, I've... I've came from Australia where there wasn't a lot of information. There was, um, obviously we had, it was just geographic or just coincidence that there weren't a lot of engaged uh, piercers in that area. Is it the way the population is spread out or or what do you think it might be? I guess, I guess part of what's blowing it up now is that sharing information worldwide is becoming an easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Um, there's always been a joke in Australia for everything where it was sort of like, we're five to 10 years behind the United States. So I guess the piercing industry was kind of like that, but I, cause I started piercing in 2005. Um, and I started doing suspension stuff around 2005 as well. Mm -hmm. So it was, kind of a lot of just figure it out yeah um yeah kind of thing i mean there's still a lot of that now you know i i think sometimes it's difficult when we're kind of i i refer to it as the app bubble a lot like we're definitely inside that app bubble and i i think outside of that there's this whole huge world of body piercing that hasn't had exposure to updated information and this and that and they're just again they're just figuring it out and sometimes they get voracious enough to to find the APP because they're seeking out good information. They might stumble across the APP's website or find out about conference or something like that, and then that might flip them on their head. But I, I think for every piercer that makes it to conference, there's probably 50 that don't, and that's really the majority of body piercing, you know? And yeah. sometimes there are certain markets where that's been the, the driving force is like the, you know it's this inside thing of like, you know, we figured it out and we maybe didn't figure it out so much correctly or maybe didn't really seek out updated information and change year to year. They kind of started with a foundation that was maybe a little bit flawed and then built on that and then it created more flaws. I think I think that's kind of probably why, like, if you're piercing in Australia or New Zealand or the UK or anywhere not America, mm -hmm. there's going to be like, you can sort of tell the piercers from that place from, you know, the style of needle that they'll use right. or something like that. And I think it's because we all kind of, we maybe, it started with a seed of, they saw a picture of a piercing on BME or something like that. And Australians and you can't, to come to conference is expensive. More and more people are doing it, but yeah, I, it, yeah, I, I'd it's, imagine it's a big obstacle. It is a huge obstacle yeah. to to be able to come out to something like conference. So we work things out in our own little bubble and create the own little mm. flair of that country of how things are. And I think maybe over the last five, 10 years, especially with like the uh, uh, Rick Freeze Learning Forum, mm. things have become more uniform, unified because there's been a worldwide talking place. Yeah. Um, and the things that have worked from each different place have stayed on and the things that haven't. People. Is there any kind of a, I mean, I don't know if you want to generalize, but I mean, is there any kind of a resentment with Australian piercers towards North American piercers? Because I, I know that I've, I've encountered maybe not so much as resentment, but a, a little bit of resistance to the, the U.S. style of teaching when I go to Europe or I go to the U.K. Because people are like, you have all the advantages <laughs> and you're trying to tell us that we're not doing it right when, you know, you have all the advantages. You've never had to worry about only access to this and only access to that. I think that there, I think the only place in Australia that you'd find that sort of resentment is people that sort of have this, like, you're a shit piercer if you don't come to conference mm. sort of attitude. It's like, well, right. calm your horses there. Yeah. Um, but really, it's, the American piercers have always kind of been the rock stars. Yeah. Um, at least in my eyes, it, it, it did. Like I've, I've it's known because of, we're very loud. Very loud. Yeah. Very loud. Um, at, but also, you know, things like the modified documentary mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There's heaps of American piercers on there, and we're like, oh my god, they're so cool. You know, these are the people we want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you guys do have access to 
everything. Everything. Uh, so all the toys, you mm. see the American piercers using them first, you right. know? Right, um, I remember when I first started piercing and Technicare. Like, you guys all had Technicare and then, it, like, we had one bottle in the shop and we're like, <gasps> yeah. it's Technicare! Right. We're the leaders of the new revolution because <laughs> yeah. we have soap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, using this yeah um but yeah they're definitely i think that there there is a little bit of maybe celebrity status to Mm -hmm. to some pierces here i guess that's which which i will i will totally cede that argument but i think it's still so ridiculous that anybody would think of a body piercer as a celebrity just you know, I, I know that, you know, Americans have this bravado and like they're good at creating the image of celebrity. Yeah. But uh, I, I still think I still find it insane that people would look at a body piercer and be like, "Ooh, aren't yeah. you so and so? It'd be like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's someone that pushes a needle through somebody. You are capable of it regardless of what country you were born in. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the time we going back around, we go around to that. Yeah. That Instagram like. You can make everything perfect on Instagram mm-hmm. if you know what sure. to you do. You get just the right angle and just yeah. the right lighting. Yeah. You take 50 pictures and maybe one of them is right. just right for yeah. posting. Yeah. yeah. And you just curate that Instagram perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year, I uh, actually went to uh, Absolution in uh, in New Zealand. And they'd moved into this new place. And I was there. It was for a suspension thing. Um, so there's a few American suspension people there as well, and we were checking out this new studio. And it's hands down one of the nicest studios I've ever seen. Eden has put a lot of thought into everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nate, the owner of the shop, he he just trusts that people are doing it right, so he, he lets them go with things a little bit. Um, and Eden's like, <sighs> kind of comparing himself to some studios out here that I've been to fantastic, beautiful studios, Mm -hmm. but he's only ever seen the Instagram pictures of it. And we're like, dude, settle. This is amazing. Right. But because all we ever see from the other side of the world is your perfect Instagram Mm -hmm. pictures. We're like, we suck so bad. Yeah. You know, I, I, I totally get that. And I just really hope that, Younger piercers or piercers that feel like they're facing obstacles and things like that, you know, just take it with a grain of salt to realize that the internet is not reality. It is not. Uh, as good as, as and perfect as you think any piercer is, I guarantee you they're not. And everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has a part of their shop that they don't want someone taking a picture of because they, you know, they're, they're just, they don't like it. They don't love it. And they're like, oh, I wish I could change that. Even if it was like a million dollar shop, there's always going to be some aspect where they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm not happy with that." Yeah, you've um, got that. That's what keeps you to keep on pro- improving. Yeah, it keeps you hungry. And I think that's why Absolution is such a beautiful studio because Eden's made it into an Instagram picture. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a spot a part in that spot where you can't take a photo. Yeah, well, ask Eden, and I'm sure Eden would be like, "Oh yeah, don't take a picture over here." Yeah, yeah. I know, I know that he would. Right. <laughs> uh, I want to get out to. Australia and or New Zealand sometime. I would say that if you uh, if you go to one, you need to go to the other. Right, I'm sure. Um, and I think I have a standing rule that if I ever go to New Zealand, I have to I have to stop in Fiji. Yeah. I don't know why, but Fiji has always been my my like dream location in the world. I don't know why it just feels so mentally exotic to me. I mean, it's yeah. Fiji. I'm sure it's it is big, exotic. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never been to Fiji, so yeah. I can't say. But I, I would, I have that same picture. It's, mm. it's total sitting by the beach cocktail. Right. It's, the, it's a postcard. Riding a sea turtle or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you've you've worked in a lot of different studios, and I, I'm I'm sure you're, you've probably taken the best influences from all the different studios you've seen around the world. You know, what kind of what kind of representation do you want to give future generations of piercers? Like, you know, I know that you're passionate about wanting to teach them communication skills and things like that, but what do you think future generations of piercers need to know and, and need to think and need to plan for? Is it, you know, get out as early as possible and see different shops? Is it, you know, seek out information? Is it mentoring? Is it coming to something like conference? Is it trying different jewelry, trying different techniques? Like, what do you think would help those younger generations of piercers? Um... Uh, or is that too vague of a question it's it's really a little bit of everything you know um 
I do think that I do think that the opportunity to go and work in different places rounds you. Mm-hmm. Um, it rounds you in some ways not so good. Sometimes you're just like, oh my god, it's I get heart palpitations mm-hmm. thinking about situations in different shops as well. But yeah, I think that working in a bunch of different places, you're going to get the strengths from all those different places. Yeah. Um, like Dragon Effects, obviously working in a mall, working with volume is something that I don't love. Yeah. I don't, I don't love being but in I'm a busy, sure busy studio. But I'm sure it made you a stronger piercer. But it made me a very, very much stronger piercer. And yeah. I would never be where I'm at in my career mm-hmm. now if I didn't have all those times of doing it bunch of piercings every single day well i saw that when i when i was training aaron foster because my studio especially at the time like a a good day for him was four or five piercings you know and then he got an opportunity for for a a shop in the boston area and he went from doing four or five to doing consistently 20 or 25 every day and you can really hone in your technique when you have that many opportunities to try something exactly that yeah um if you're doing if you're not doing something a bunch of times, you're never really going to get that great mm-hmm. at it. Um, because by the time you, by the time you've not done it for three months, you're like, Oh, what was that little thing that I got wrong last time? Yeah. So, um, I think it definitely is important to work with volume, but then it's important to work with someone that has fantastic sale skills. So you can reach in on there, work with someone that has, uh, to your point of genital piercings, like work with someone that does a lot of genital mm-hmm. piercings and learn that skill right. because there's going to be studios in the, your studio might never ever see a genital piercing, but there's going to be a studio somewhere near you mm-hmm. that probably does 20 a day, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, those people, they're not like they're, they normally find one studio, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, not, they don't you not exist momentum. in your area sort of thing. Yeah, you build momentum because, you know, if you do any kind of specialty piercing, surface or genital or this, that or whatever, and then somebody puts a, a review online, when there's somebody else out there who's seeking out that rare piercing and they find that review and they're like, oh, this this must be the shop for surf. This is the hot spot, you know, yep. but it's like maybe they just did the one and got lucky with a good review. Exactly. But then they're established as like the leader of that market. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go and, go and work with someone that can do that. Um, I was really lucky that, uh, Lexi, at, um, Dragon Effects, we'd have little days where we'd hang out and talk about dicks and stuff. Yeah. You know? Dicks and stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's such a common piercer, piercer conversation. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you know, I was talking about it with Jesse about how, you're just so desensitized to certain things about physicality and it's like, you can talk about the little intricacies of a vulva, you know, for an hour, you know, and it's not weird at all. But like, if you're at a restaurant, the people sitting next to you are going to glance over like you're serial killers (laughs) because you're talking about like, you know, the perfect technique for a, for a hood piercing or something. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, it was last night afterwards. It was like, you want to come over? I was, we were at one of Ryan's classes and one of the piercers were like, do you want to come over and watch piercing of dick videos? And we're like, (laughs) Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there should be uh, more historical resources for people to, to learn not just the best information. Like, I think the APP conference is based on best practices a lot of the time. And I think that it really helps to show the historical aspect of, like, and this is how we used to do it. and But this is why we don't do it that way anymore. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. I think sometimes people lose out on when they see just like somebody's interpretation of the, the best possible version of something. And, you know, they can, you can learn a lot, positive and negative, from like the, the shades of gray that led up to that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that for everything in the world, we can learn a bit from the history of how we got there. Yeah. So we don't make the same mistakes. Well, that's, that's what I love so much about you know, like as an example, like Jesse's progressive mentorship class where he talks about in like a joking way about some of the mistakes that he made earlier in his career. Yeah. And that number one, it's, it's disarming for the people who are in the class and they're intimidated thinking like, okay, this person is, they're an APP instructor and this and that. And you know, I, I have to work to their level or I'm a hack, but then they hear of like all the dumb stuff that we used to do. And then they realize like, okay, what I'm doing isn't so bad because yeah. if they can get there, I can get there. Hundred percent. 
And I think that's why people take the class so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bit of humili- humility. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's what I try to do in my class too, is I try to, I try to remove some of that intimidation factor by being like, look, I, I sure I can do this now and I'm teaching a class on it, but it, you know, I screwed this up for like 10 years before I started to figure it out. Yeah. And yesterday when you came up and you were like, who actually, uh, when they come up to you at, Bevel, at class and they're like, uh, do you, you understand bevel theory, right? Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. And then you're like, yeah, I understand. You can't yeah. hold the needle funny. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then I listened to you talk. And I'm like, I had no idea what bevel theory was. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly how I felt taking all those classes from Brian, you know, mm-hmm. because he knew it backwards and forwards. He probably dreams of bevel theory in his sleep, you know? And uh, so for him, it seems like an easy concept. So he thinks that, you know, okay, everyone has this prerequisite knowledge, right? Okay, now we're going to move on to what to do with it. But I think so many people don't have that. And and it's not just something like bevel theory. It can be jewelry size selection, aftercare, sterilization, all these different things. Like I think a successful class, you have to break it down to its base principles. You can't assume that someone has existing knowledge oh yeah because i mean they're there in a class if they had all the existing knowledge they might not be there when it comes to the thing that i was saying before of like what made me feel like i was a shitty piercer was i didn't know what i didn't know right so i didn't know how to ask so you might even have the idea that you understand that full concept but if you go down to a base level with everyone then you know that they've got like there might be just like little tiny hair that you're like Ah, oh, ting. That's mm-hmm. that's where it is, and it might be the most basic thing, and you might have been piercing forever. And yeah, like, that's why I feel like yesterday was success was a success because uh, I I didn't try to like give away like the principle of the class in the first hour. It was like a slow march of like we're gonna get to it, but first I want you to understand how the needle is made, how the needle was developed, and this and that and whatever. And then, like, as I started to, like, kind of drop in those other little bits of information and tips and tricks, I, you know, I saw all these light bulbs going off around the room, you know? And it was like, okay, that's a successful class because I didn't teach to this elite level where it's like, I'm going to expect that you can all, that you all know most of what I'm talking about. And now let's, like, you know, try to build off of that. It's like, you know, I didn't understand it. And this is what it took for me to understand. And that's what I'm going to share with you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I definitely wish you a lot of luck in your class. I want to take your class. Like, I think your class is going to be great. Please be there. Yeah, I'll be there right at the front, staring at you, and just trying to get you to sweat. I'll be taking notes, and I'll be reviewing you. Uh, I feel like uh, one of my Dallas Sascon classes, Ethics, was there doing the same uh, thing. So. No pressure. No pressure. No right. pressure. Like, right. Yeah. So, do it. Yeah. Uh, I thrive on the pressure. Yeah, I, know, I think you're going to be a great instructor, uh, you know, and... and you know, when this goes as, as well as I would guess that it would go, you know, I would love to see you in, in more classes. Too. I, I would love to be teaching more classes. Yeah. Um, well, just, just like I said, you know, and like if there's anybody listening, you know, uh, take this as a lesson. Um, the only reason Daniel got the class is because he worked hard and he submitted a good proposal and his proposal was accepted. It was irrelevant that I knew who Daniel was because when we were in that board meeting, a lot of people were like, who's, who's Daniel? Who, who? And I was just like, Read the proposal. It's a good proposal, right? Then say yes. You know, it, it shouldn't really matter who the person is. You know, it should matter what the person wants to share. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, did, I wrote that proposal sort of in the mind frame of, I just want people to find out who I am mm-hmm. um, so that maybe later on my name would maybe have that recognition to be that person that got the class you know i didn't yeah. I, I didn't expect that this year would be well you did and i did and i was like Whew. yeah see <laughs> you know it's i mean i'm not going to say that like it's just that easy because you put a lot of work and thought into the proposal yeah but like it really is just that easy if you can articulate a point if you can explain it to someone and tell them why why it has value they're they're gonna listen and they're gonna give it a shot you know mm-hmm. and it's not just with classes at conference it's like that's that's a skill that goes back to communication you need to be able to articulate a point and, and communicate with someone if you want to get your idea across i uh i don't think that i would have been able to write the proposal the way that i did uh if i didn't have the carnegie sort of i'd use the carnegie principles right in See? writing the thing yeah. so they, they work obviously worth every penny <laughs> yeah yeah
Cool. Well, I'm excited. So, uh, anything else you wanna you wanna hit on? Um. Nope. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one more time, you know, uh, give your information, who you are, where you are, where they can find you. Um. So I'm Daniel Thomas. I'm Dan underscore Flair underscore at Instagram. Woo! Woo! Uh, having a hard time keeping these alligators down. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, or uh, just at Thrive Studios, come visit. Cool. Well, uh, if I don't see you before, then I'll definitely see you at conference. Can't wait. All right, Daniel. So uh, thanks for taking some time to talk to me. When we recorded that, I was just kind of hanging out in uh, Jesse's apartment. He was uh, out giving his girlfriend uh, a ride home. And, you know, Daniel and I just kind of met and and hung out and had a really good chat. So it was nice. You know, that's one of my favorite things about taking all these trips is just being able to connect with all my different friends all around the world that I hardly ever get to see. So, you know, it's nice to make those connections in real life rather than just always being on Facebook or always being on Instagram. So uh, keep in mind, if you've got somebody in your life that you care about, uh, hang out with them in person, uh, give them a hug, and especially if you have a dog, uh, scratch their belly and give them a kiss because I am missing my dog something fierce today. So I will be back next week with an interview with I have no idea who, but I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.